Hey guys, and welcome to TCC Conversations, our weekly podcast from Tribeca Community Church. I'm Pastor Grace. I'm the middle school pastor here at TCC, and today I am joined by Pastor Jeremy, who is our young adult and community engagement pastor, and by Dr. Tim Gaines, who is a professor at Trebekah Nazarene University and the wonderful spouse of our senior pastor, Shauna. So thank you guys so much for joining me and for being here for this conversation. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. It's a gorgeous day in Nashville. You cannot beat a day like this. It is. I'm not mad. Welcome to Nashville. It's the best. <laughs> you know? Never a dull moment. So uh, this Sunday, Shauna uh, gave us a sermon that was based more or less in chapter seven of the book of Nehemiah, a little reference to chapter six. So this, was there anything that stood out to you from the sermon or looking over the scripture passage from the Sunday, anything that just kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, I think one of the main things that stood out to me was just talking or like her conversation and then what we see in the passage talking about unfinished projects and in her message, Pastor Shauna, you know, pulls from Jerusalem and what's going on in Nehemiah stories from our own uh, country as well. But just this idea of unfinished projects and like just how deep that metaphor can be. Like you think about some of the most meaningful things that people engage in in their life are like long-term projects, whether that be, um, I'll list off a few things that I think uh, Dr. Gaines here has done, uh, like paint a whole house, write a book. Uh, um, like you, like you go with like, uh, you could think about in terms of like pregnancy, like the nine months of, of work of, of creation and, or something that I have a little bit more uh, practice in, which is like gardening, which is just like this, this, this ongoing, like tending towards like more growth. And that this is what we're seeing here in this passage, them talking about like working on this project and yeah, there's stuff that's been done, but it's not finished yet. And in the same way, like what God is up to in the world, like good things have been done. Great things have been done and yet it's not finished yet. And what does that, where is our place in that unfinished project that like going well, but not done yet project that our God is up to in the world, that kind of new creation thing is what was sticking out to me from this week's sermon. It's interesting because that's not a place where many of us like to live is in the midst of unfinished product. I, our project, I've got a couple of friends who have, uh, it was seminary friends, college friends, and then they have basically given their lives to serving all over different places. And every time I've gone to visit them, their house is in the middle of some kind of construction project. And I went to visit them not too long ago, walked inside. And I said, I don't know if this is actually your house or not, because everywhere you've ever lived, you're in the middle of some kind of giant construction project. And then she looked at me, she goes, oh no, we're building a deck outside. It's okay. And so that, but living in the midst of an unfinished project is probably one of the things that eats me alive quicker than anything else. I want to have something done. I don't want it to be halfway. I want it to be all the way done, which is what propelled me to finish painting that house, Jeremy. And I, you know, for four years, we lived in a house where I couldn't reach up and paint part of one of these high walls. And so I just vowed we're moving into a new place. I am not doing that this time. I'm getting the thing done. 
so I guess as you, I listen to you, um, I'm, I'm thinking about people who have to live in the midst of a world that is unfinished and how much pressure that can create, how much anxiety that can create. How can we still live faithfully in the midst of an unfinished project? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's kind of funny having the three of us here, uh, having this conversation about like finding the ability to stop in the middle of a work project since the three of us have all moved within this past year into brand new places. Um, I remember, I think the very beginning, Jeremy was quarantined. And so when they first entered into their quarantine, I was like, how are you guys doing? Like, is everything okay? And Jeremy was like, well, if nothing else, like Ritu's going to get everything hung on the walls finally. Like we've been in this house. You guys moved in July? Yeah, July, August. And we're just starting to hang things on the wall now. It also makes me wonder how many things have I put off doing recently because the tension of this like leaving things around and like, oh, I'll get to that when I can get to that is so personally like uncomfortable, but also so rewarding when we get it done. But like the stopping in the middle of a thing is not something I'm very good at. Like I'm going to just power through and do all the things. And I, I wonder if... Go ahead, Tim. No, no, no. I want to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I was just thinking uh, one of the other things that uh, came out in, uh, during her sermon this week, uh, Pastor Sean talked about, you know, like this idea of fear and like this tension of living in this unfinished project that we see here in this passage in Nehemiah is like this tension between like of this unknown, like you're living in this unknown and it leads to the question of in terms of like, how do you respond to that tension and is fear a proper response to it? Or, you know, think like, is like wherever we are in our lives, whatever season we find ourselves in, like, when is like, is fear a proper response or maybe like, what, like, what are we like, you know, we read about fear in the Bible and it was thinking about this as we were getting ready for this and thinking there's a difference between like the fear of God, like the unknown of God and the unknowns of life. Uh, because like, if we, you know, quote unquote in the Bible, fear God, it's more of like, we're acknowledging that God is beyond our ability to understand, but hopefully that, that lends us to lean into him more than trust him in the midst of this unfinished project, where if we're just focusing on all the external things of all the unknowns of life that can very easily send us into what pastor Shauna talked about in our sermon, which is like a defensive, like, you know, only open the walls when the sun is like at high noon because of the fear of what could go wrong and how we respond to that tension says a lot about how we're viewing the world. Like everyone's faced with that tension in some way, but how we address it is really important. I don't usually have many conversations that don't include Augustine in one way or another. And so this one will be no different, but Augustine, all the way back in the fourth century, began to talk about living in this time between times. So I was teaching an ethics class yesterday. We were examining whether or not we can live in a city that is truly just. And so someone came up to me, I think a criminal justice major, and said, well, I need to know, can we live in a city that's truly just? And, and I said, I need to probably point you to Augustine on this, who said, 
there was a time when justice was established. Everything was as it ought to be. That was the time in the garden. There will be this time coming in the new Jerusalem where everything will be established as it ought to be. But right now we are living in this time between times. We're living in the midst of the unfinished project. And so I think there's multiple ways that we could engage a living in that unfinished project. We could fight it as if we are going to finish this ourselves. The problem I see there is that there are a lot of folks who have tried and struggled and scrimped to try to make this project their project. And it ends up not ever being finished because it will never be their project to begin with. Um, the other way is to kind of just resign ourselves to it. Say, well, this is kind of fatalism. I'll never be able, like, it, we're just caught in this thing. It will be what it will be. I'm never going to do anything that's going to, uh, to, to make a difference. At the very same time, I think there is another way to do it, which is a position of hope or a posture of hope, which is not just crossing your fingers and closing your eyes and wishing for some other kind of outcome, but to really see where the project is going and to live in the world with that end clearly in mind. And when I say in mind, I don't just mean thinking about it. I mean, posturing yourself to live into that, that finishing of the project. And so Jeremy, to your point on fear, I think it's a really good one. I get the sense that when people cannot hold that hopeful view in mind, fear is a really quick tail on that. And it often leads to that, that kind of fatalistic impulse. Um, there's nothing I can do about it. Or I, <laughs> I'm caught in this thing and I have to make this world be the way that I think it ought to be. And everyone else is an enemy in that. And so I'm going to go to work as hard as I possibly can. I think that's when fear creeps in. And so um, rather than a posture of fear, I think Augustine and a whole other host of saints across the ages might be able to point us towards something like hope that doesn't cause us to have to fear that much as we're living in the midst of that unfinished project. Sad, I think in the very first episode we did when we were introducing the book of Nehemiah that I have this like low grade obsession with the book of Nehemiah throughout my whole life. And like, I think the more we've been diving into the story of scripture and like looking at it now as I've had numerous years of theological education, like part of what I think I've always enjoyed or like subconsciously like been attracted to in the book of the Nehemiah is that like I relate so much to Nehemiah and that like we see him in this passage suddenly feel like he has to like do all of the things kind of like what you're saying to where he's suddenly starting to live out of this posture of fear and feeling this great ownership and protection over the city which isn't like a bad thing but rather than trusting God to protect the city Nehemiah is now saying like we're only going to open the gates when it's like absolutely 100% safe and like now that we have this ability to keep ourselves safe on our own power like we need to do it all rather than leaning into and trusting God. And I think we in the same sense are living in this broken, falling apart, destroyed world, just like the city of Jerusalem was. And we have this future vision of the kingdom of God, of a restored new Jerusalem. And we have this tendency as the people of God to want to participate in making that kingdom a reality. And when we work to make that happen, on our own power and by our own abilities, 
we're often going to find ourselves in this posture of like fear and working to take control over it because we can't make new creation happen on our own. Like it's only by the grace of God that we're getting to participate in this building project. Um, and so like in an honesty hour, it's kind of funny reading this, like, oh yeah, like I am Nehemiah, like in every sense, like I'm going to make this project happen. Like I'm going to do it. I'm going to power through and like get the manpower and build the thing and like make it happen. And sometimes it's in those moments when we're like, finding the strength honestly to say like I can't do this on my own that is really those moments when we are more deeply and intimately invited into the building project of whatever that looks like maybe it's not necessarily the city of Jerusalem but that we all have those new kingdom new Jerusalem building projects that we're invited into every day because on the one hand, at least my personality is, we're going to build this thing and we're going to get it done. Like I am an achiever, so I want to make it happen. And that has just been an impulse I've had to resist in ministry my whole life of just uh, falling into the trap of thinking that I am going to be the one who's going to build the kingdom. And at the very same time, what I love about the story of Nehemiah is that these people don't just sit around and twiddle their thumbs. They get, to, they get to work on it. And yet, it's not just that they are building the kingdom because they think the kingdom needs to be there. It's not just that they want this thing to send some kind of a signal about their own greatness or their own power. It is all the way back to Nehemiah 1, because this is going to be a place where the name of the Lord will dwell. In other words, the name of the Lord is going to be what sets the agenda for everything that happens here. And this will be a place of blessing. So while I want to be involved in the project, I have to continually check that impulse in myself to say, this is not my project. Um, this is not the outcome that I am building. And so I gain a sense of humility out of that and, and also a sense of freedom that this is the project where the name of the Lord will, will dwell, which in Nehemiah's time was to signal the presence of God is going to be this life-giving blessing to everything around it. and yet. It's my job to get busy and to participate in that already. So yeah, I'm gonna put some skin in the game. So then on that note, to take things from a little more theoretical to more concrete and practical, what does it look like for us to have skin in the game? What does it look like for us as the church and as the people of God here today to look and see where God is inviting us to participate in these building projects. I've at least found personally that it's kind of like, like a muscle in terms of um, like, like when you're trying to, I, I played football throughout high school. And so like, there were very specific things that you did in order to build like habitually in order to build up strength and uh, in order to prepare for games, uh, the thing that my coach would always yell during our two days. And I still hear I'm an, I'm an achiever. I'm an Enneagram three, like, like, like Tim will probably feel me on this. Like I still hear today, my coach yelling, you practice, you, you practice like you play you like whatever you're doing in practice is how you're going to play, which means you need to give 120% the whole time. 
that has some, maybe some things that I've had to work through personally to not always feel like I need to go over the top and do everything myself. But I think the other piece to that, that is helpful is that sometimes it's just like taking that step. You don't know exactly what it's going to look like. You don't know exactly what the projects that God might be up to, but like find where something else is happening. So an example that I, uh, think of is during our time in West Africa, one of the church leaders there, district superintendent, so he was over a a number of churches, wanted to help do some uh, construction projects on some existing churches, but also help some church plants. And his way in order to help figure that out from a district level was he invited churches to participate financially, pooled money together, and started raising chickens in his backyard. And all of the proceeds went into a fund for like church planting. And I got to go, um, actually, I think I was wearing this shirt that day because there's some photos of me next to some very muscular young men um, as we were pouring concrete and mixing concrete. And like, it was not my skill set at all. Like, I'm not handy. I ha- I picked up nothing from my, my father because he wasn't handy at all. Like, but I got to go and I just participated. And I got to see, I spent more time around, like I, growing up in the city, I've never spent time around chickens. So I got to spend time around chickens, got to help like be a part of this project. And it's something that I'm still deeply passionate about, even though we're now back here. And it came from me saying yes to a two hour car ride uh, one way. And then like eight hours of just like wheelbarrows and shovels and doing something that I'm inept at, honestly. Uh, but like you, you think about like, you don't have to go across the world to do that. What's Bob Goff say? Sometimes it's just going across the street, like finding something that, that is already going on and participating in it. If it's uh, tutoring with, with kid power and, and like doing mentoring, if it's volunteering with uh, harvest hands uh, in our Nashville community, working at the, uni- like, you know, volunteering at the university, like seeing something where something good is already happening participate in it and then see like there might be a place where it can light a fire to say like oh i can take this one step i can trust god and take this other step even if i don't know what the whole project is going to look like you know grace i hear you talking about that and um before covid19 it seemed like the church in general had no lack of doing so I think about all the crew that Nehemiah is assembling. These people are doing, doing, doing. COVID-19 has been this really fascinating and painful way for us to stop. And then I think reconsider, what are we going to apply our efforts to on the other side of this thing? Or in other words, what kind of a ministry is going to be rebuilt out of that? And so it goes to your question on how do we figure out where our efforts are going to be applied. When we rebuild, when we go into this work of rebuilding after it's all kind of been torn down, what exactly is it that we're going to be building toward? And for me, I think a large part of figuring out how to apply our energies is to have a really clear vision of what it is we are aiming our energies toward. So what is the plan here? Um, If you're going to build something, hopefully you've sketched that out. You've got a vision that you are building toward. And for me, it is that new Jerusalem. Now, 
of course, you know, Shauna and I just, we, we talked about this sermon before, or, you know, as it was being written, she's asking, what do I do with this gate? Because it's like not much here in this passage. And I said, what about the gates? Let's talk about gates throughout scripture. And one of the things that I love in that finished image of the construction is the, the gates of the new Jerusalem. Um, and so I said, tell them about the gates, New Jerusalem, there's gates there, tell them about the significance of gates. One of the things that showed up uh, on Sunday is like the possibility of those 12 gates, but I don't know, I can't remember if it was there or not, that John makes it clear in the New Jerusalem that these gates are never shut. These gates are open. Now, I won't spend a lot of time going into a lot of detail on this, but the the new Jerusalem is larger than the known universe in John's time. I mean, John gives us the measurements. It's, it's supposed to be so mind bogglingly huge that it begs the question, who else is still out there? But if we remember these gates do a couple of things, they provide identity and they provide protection. What's so fascinating to me about the new Jerusalem is that the gates can still identify what's going on there but they can just be wide open to invite anybody in who wants to come and join that, that party that's going on inside the New Jerusalem, where, whereby the name of the Lord is setting the tone for everything that's going on around there. So all that to say, when I think about what it looks like for us to figure out what we're going to do next, um, a large part of what I think is get to know where we're going well enough so when you look around the world, you go, oh my word, that's new creation right there. And it may not look like the church that I knew as I was a kid growing up. It may not sound the same or look the same, but it looks like new creation. It looks like that plan. I can see a part of that. And if we can get to know that well enough, I, I don't think we have anything to be afraid of in this rebuilding season, um, built, rebuilding gates that, um, that can identify us as the people of God so clearly even as we are not fearful, not using those gates as a sense of like self-preservation or protection, we can see where we're going. And so then I think it gives us the, these eyes to be able to do exactly what Jeremy said is to look around the world and go, man, never seen that before, but that looks like new creation to me. And I have no fear in jumping in and getting involved in something like that. But I'll just say like, we've spent a lot of time being really busy doing really kind of churchy stuff for ourselves a lot. And sometimes I wonder, is, is God giving us this opportunity to orient us toward this new creation project and kind of say like, what if I took everything away for like a year? How would you rebuild? What, what, would, what would be the vision? You know, like what would be the vision on the other side of that? What would you rebuild toward? And I'm, I'm hopeful that we might be able to do something like new creation. I think that's a really good point that we've been invited to, rather than trying to, to work towards our own identity and protection, like you said, Tim, to, we've been invited to receive that identity and protection as a gift from God as his new creation, something obviously that we participate in, but like, it's not something that we earn and it's not something that we can do of our own strength, but think about the good news of the gospel. It is identity and, and protection in a way from Genesis and the identity is the image bearers of God and the protection that he provides to what he, the protection and the identity that comes as, as healed, redeemed people on the cross and all the way to New Jerusalem, like identity and protection. The difference is in the story of God, it's by God's doing, not when we try to grab it and do it ourselves, like grabbing a fruit off a tree and trying to become gods ourselves. Yeah. 
that is such a great great point tim kind of stole what i was going to say at the beginning uh, just this concept i know how dare you of like what it looks like sometimes is this like posture of rest and ceasing i think uh sabbath practices a lot when i think about being invited to participate in new creation work uh i I'm going to say a quote, and now I can't remember who said it. So here we go. But someone said the Sabbath is the reminder that God's still at work, even when we're not. That in Sabbath, like keeping, God is renewing God's covenant with God's people. while God's people rest in God. And that for me is just this continual reminder that, yeah, like the people of God are invited to participate in bringing new creation. We are invited to look and see and name things that smell and look and feel like the presence of God and new creation in the world around us. But again, it is only by this grace of God that we're invited to do this thing. And that for me, I'm a doer and I want to get everything done. And the act of like stopping and resting and like trusting in God is some of the most difficult things for me to do, but is also some of the most formative things for me to do and it's in those moments of ceasing and relying on God and quieting myself that I become much more in tune and aware of places where new creation is happening and I feel like I'm much more able to see and name the presence of God in the world um, than when I am constantly going and doing and trying to make it all happen on my own. And often it's when I'm not doing anything that I'm like, oh, wow, this really great thing's happening. And I had nothing to do with it. And that is so good. So good for my like ego, but also so good just in the general existence of the world. That is so right. And um, that Sabbath as an act of resistance, I, I think helps us um, it points me back to Jerusalem, honestly. What was Jerusalem for? Jerusalem was a place where God rested with the people and the people could come to rest with God, that point of connection. And that's part of what gets me excited a little bit about rebuilding in this season. What kind of church is going to come out on the other side of COVID-19? I'm excited to build the kind of a place where people can come to connect with God. And I'm looking at a screen right now. I know not everybody can see faces as we record this, but I'm looking at the faces of two people who have worked really hard to help facilitate a connection with God and God's people. Um, even the online format of church, whatever has, has come of this, um, I'm seeing that there's been a lot of effort, a lot of rebuilding work to say, we're still going to create a place where people can connect with God, where people can rest with God, and God can rest with the people. There's that point of, of connection that's there. So um, I think that all inspires me in this next season. And I, hopefully we, and I mean we as the whole church, can hear that call. It's time to start rebuilding, folks. It's time to start rebuilding. But not just to remake what used to be, but to reinvest in a place where people can deeply connect with God, to rest with God as God rests with them and remake them into people who are invested in this new creation. Was that something else you were going to say, Grace? Cause that sounds no, like that something. That was beautiful. Oh, that was great. That's why it seems like something you would say. It was... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for joining today, guys. Before we wrap up, is there anything more 
you wanted to add anything on your heart that you haven't gotten to say yet? I'll just give one uh, practical thing as we're talking about Sabbath as resistance and uh, as a part of helping find our identity in this unfinished work that got this unfinished project that got us up to. There's an app called uh, the pause app by pastor and author John Eldridge. And it basically is like a guided like timer uh, with some prayers in scripture to help you just like slow down. Like if, if you just, if just sitting and like trying to slow down and life is a little bit too much, it's a, a helpful app that I've talked about with uh, other young adults and just to like help build the rhythms to, to, to slow down in life and be reminded that we aren't God, that we Sabbath because, because we're not God. Uh, and uh, it's a helpful app that I found to build the habit of slowing down and spending time in solitude and Sabbathing in God's presence. There's one other thing that's just been on my mind and on my heart this week. It's that Nehemiah was rebuilding the second temple. And I don't know how else to say it. That temple never held a candle to Solomon's first temple. It wasn't as glorious. It didn't carry the same kind of weight. And yet when Jesus comes and starts talking about tearing down the temple and rebuilding it, John points out he's talking about himself. And so my hope in the season, if you are in, like, if you're listening to this podcast and you are involved in the church in some way, I hope you hear in this a couple of things. The first thing is the call to rebuilding, but not just to rebuild what we had before this like glory of Solomon's temple, like, oh, the glory days of the church. Remember when we had all the stuff it is instead to rebuild a temple in such a way that it points to Jesus more faithfully, more fully, um, the, the true temple that is going to be torn down and rebuilt. Um, the other thing is, I get that this is just different and it's hard, um, but I, if you're tuning in and you're involved in any church at all, or maybe you aren't, and you're saying, like, what do I do with my time? Can I just ask, like, get involved? Um, we, this is an all-hands-on-deck moment for the church. And so I want anyone to know who's involved in the life of our local congregation, if you have dreams and visions that God is stirring you on how to rebuild that, so where Jesus is at the center of that, the name of the Lord is at the center of the whole thing, we want, we want to hear about that. We want to connect with that. We want to breathe life into that and figure out ways that we can do that. It's that vision of the New Jerusalem where all those voices are singing out together, but it's still the crucified Christ. It is still the slaughtered lamb risen and victorious on the throne at the center of the whole thing. That's the life of the whole project. Those gates are never open or never closed. They're, oh. they're always open. Come and, come and join. Come and join. Wh whoever else is out there. I love it. Always room. So thanks guys for joining us this week. We made it through without Tim's laptop dying. I'm at 6%. You are joining us uh, on this podcast. We will see you next week. The episodes air every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Otherwise, uh, we hope to see you in worship on Sunday morning, whether that's online or on campus. And Jeremy, Tim, thanks for taking time out of your day to come and have this conversation. Thanks, thanks so much. Grace.